Good morning. So good to see each of you here. We've got a good number and uh, had a good number for our breakfast class. And we're certainly grateful for all those in attendance for Bible study and for worship. And we'd just love to see you back at any opportunity that you might have. And today it's, it's a beautiful uh, day. And I think the weather this week is going to be pretty. Uh, but as we think about how wonderful of a day that we're having, where we get to come together and to sing songs of praise and to encourage one another and to think about God's Word, there are many families who are not having as bright of a day as we're having. And in fact, there's many families who are mourning. And so, as we begin this morning, I would like to say a prayer on behalf of the families involved in the shootings, the students and the teachers. And we just want to lift up uh, those people in, in this national tragedy that we're faced with again. So if you will, please join me in a word of prayer. Father, we're horrified when we see things that happen in your world that don't agree with you. And Father, it shakes us to our core when we see young children murdered. And we just pray for those families who are enduring such immense loss at this time. And Father, we just pray Your hand of comfort, Your hand of love. We pray Your people will be active in prayer and also in ministry among those who are suffering. Lord, we pray for those students and we pray for those teachers, and we pray for their resolve to continue life. And Lord, we just pray for our country, for the soul of our country, that things like this won't happen. We pray that You would continue to guide our leaders and to help our leaders. And Lord, we just pray for Your will to be done. And we pray this in the name of Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. <laughs> Today we are going to study from the book of Deuteronomy, and Deuteronomy 1, and it's about children. And in chapter 1 and 39 it says this, Moreover, your little ones and your children who you say will be victims, who have no knowledge of good and evil, they shall go in there. To them I will give it, and they shall possess it. But as for you... Turn and take your journey into the wilderness by the way of the Red Sea. You have two different people, sets of people, two different generations that are pictured in this passage. And one, the younger, the children, God says, I'm going to give them the land. It's going to be for their possession. But for you, the older generation, you go to the wilderness. Go to the wilderness. What do you think of when you think of the term wilderness? When I think of it, I think of sublime beauty. When we think about the beautiful natural landscapes in our country and in the world, there are many beautiful places to go to. I'm mindful of all of the national parks that we have in our country that we're blessed to have. One of my dreams is to, to get in a station wagon 
and go driving across the country and camping out in some of those beautiful places. The wilderness, nature, what a wonderful thing it is. But it also, not only is it a place of beauty, but the wilderness can also be a place of hostility, can it? That if you go into the wilderness, not only will you see great and beautiful things, but you might see some things that you don't want to see. The wilderness. I'm reminded of the words of the philosopher and poet Thoreau, who spent a period of his years in the wilderness. In fact, he went to the wilderness to learn something. And he said something very interesting. He said this, I went to the woods because I wished to live deliberately, to front only the essential facts of life, and see if I could learn what it had to teach. Not when I came to die, discovered that I had not lived. Sometimes when we spend time in nature and in the wilderness, we come to some, some instruction, don't we? We learn things when we're detached from the usual comforts that we enjoy. All of us enjoy our comforts, don't us? Don't we? But we're detached from nature in some ways when we sit watching our TVs and in our beds. We're detached from the beauty of nature in the wilderness. And sometimes we're missing out on maybe some knowledge. The wilderness confronts us. He says something very specific. He says, I wanted to live deliberately. I want to know the essential facts of life and really the essence of life. You think about it. Have you ever gone camping? I love going camping. I grew up going camping. But one thing I know about camping is that you have to be deliberate when you go camping, don't you? Otherwise, you're standing around the fire and you don't have any pots and pans to cook with. Or you're stuck with just a sleeping bag and it's raining on you. You have to be very deliberate when you're in the wilderness, don't you? You have to plan ahead, don't you? Also, you find out very quickly what the essential facts of life are, don't you? When you're in the wilderness, when you're camping out, you find out what you truly need and not just the things that you want. And also, you're confronted when you live in the wilderness with the very facts and essence of life Time behaves differently, doesn't it? Whereas when we live in our world here and in our homes and in our work, we have plenty of distractions, don't we? But when you get in the wilderness, when you get into the wilds, life and time move very differently. I'm mindful that many retreat to, to a place in our own state. Did you know that the Great Smoky Mountains are the number one visited national park in the United States of America. That second is the Grand Canyon, but number one is our Smoky Mountains. One of the things that I've often thought about and really fantasized about was going on the Appalachian Trails. And there's a trail through those mountains, some 2,200 miles of trail exclusively for hiking. Not for riding motorcycles, not for driving cars, but exclusively for walking in the woods, walking in the wilderness. And some people make that track. Some people make that hike. The whole 2,200 miles 
camping out at 250 different shelters, and they do it over the course of a season from spring until fall. And think about all the things that they encounter. They get to see beautiful foliage. They get to see the serenity of the countryside, but they also run into things like black bears, like timber rattlesnakes, copperheads, beavers, otters, chipmunks, coyotes, hawks and eagles, and other wonderful life. And then we find in the history of Israel, they go to the wilderness. They go to the wilderness because of their disbelief and their disobedience. God sentences them to go to the wilderness. And so you have one generation which dies in the wilderness. And then you have another generation, the young people, which are raised in the wilderness. They are literally raised in the wilderness. Think about that life. In fact, in Numbers 14.29, the sentence that God gives for their disobedience, He says this, The carcasses of you who have murmured against Me shall fall in the wilderness from 20 years old and above. All those people who were 20 years and above who rejected God's plan when they were at the the land of Canaan would die in the wilderness, but the young ones would inherit it. And that's what he says in Deuteronomy 1.39. Moreover, your little ones, your children, who you say will be victims, who have no knowledge of good and evil, they shall go in there. To them I will give it, and they shall possess it. Deuteronomy is an interesting book. And what we find in Deuteronomy, the word itself literally means a second law. And what we find in Deuteronomy is the very last stages of Moses' life. And we find the last speeches of Moses as he delivers the law and the instruction to the people. A new generation, a final time. He gives the law anew to the new generation that will inhabit the land of Canaan. We also not only find this wilderness life in the life of these Israelites but we also find it mirrored in the life of Christ, don't we? In Matthew chapter 4, you see where Jesus goes into the wilderness for 40 days and for 40 nights and is tried and tempted and He's triumphant over the devil. But what does it mean for us? The way that I see it is that we too are in a wilderness. That we too are surrounded by great beauty and by great blessing, but there's also hostility. There's also danger. And what you see in the history of the people of Israel is that they were emancipated, they were free, but they had not inherited the promise yet. And doesn't that sound like us? We're free from sin. We're free from the law. We're free from the penalty of sin, but we're in between. We're transient. We have not achieved and we have not inherited that which God has given us. We find ourselves persevering in the wilderness. So what can we learn from the children of Israel, the children of the wilderness today? Number one, the thing that the children of the wilderness had to learn was they had to endure the parental mistakes and consequences 
of the generation before. Here you had these children that had to endure being raised in the wilderness. Why? Why did they have to live in the wilderness for 40 years before they inherited the land of Canaan? It was because of the sins of their fathers. It was because of what their fathers, because they rejected God's will, now the children had to live in the wilderness. In fact, they, the former generation murmured. It says in Numbers 14, 22, they have put me to the test now these ten times and I have not heeded my voice. Over and over again, God commands them to do things and what do the children of Israel do? They disobey they complain. They murmur. Here God has brought them freedom. He's taken them to the promised land. And then they complain and they reject His Word. The mistakes of the former generation are endured many times by the latter. Does that happen in our world today? Do we see where children have to endure the sins of the parents? The consequences? Are children affected by the decision of their parents? And the answer is yes. And that's why God has called each of us as parents to live lives and make decisions that will affect our children in a good way and not in a bad way. Sometimes we see that children have to suffer because of the selfishness of who? Their parents. And in fact, in Ezekiel and Jeremiah, it gives this proverb concerning this, the fathers have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge. In other words, the fathers eat the sour grapes, but the children have to endure the taste. And does that happen today? Because parents live lives of rebellion, the children pay the price for it. And here, in the wilderness, you have the children enduring the sins of the parents. Is it true for us? Have we endured something? The answer is yes. That actually we suffer the consequences of the sins of Adam, don't we? Remember in Romans 5.12, Therefore just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men, because all have sinned. We find ourselves isolated from God. We find ourselves outside of that fellowship with God because of the sin of Adam and Eve. And because of their sin, we are living in a fallen world. If you don't think it's fallen, then turn on the news. It's fallen. Man's nature is fallen. And we walk in a wilderness, do we not? In fact, Paul said, by nature we were the children of wrath just as others. And we endure this wilderness because of the sins of our fathers and mothers. But Christ came to change that nature and that world through His Gospel and through His Holy Spirit. It's the only hope that we have. That nothing else will do it. No amount of legislation will do it. No amount of self-help will do it. It's only the Gospel that can save the soul of an individual and change them from the inside out. We're children in the wilderness. The children must endure the parental mistakes and consequences. Number two, the children of the wilderness must do their own believing 
and on obeying. You know, your parents can't do your believing for you, can they? Your parents can't do your obeying. In fact, Luther once said, every man must do two things alone. He must do his own believing and his own dying. Each of us comes to our lives and we have to be responsible and accountable for what we know and who we are. And in Deuteronomy 1.39, it points to that because it says these little ones, these children, had no knowledge of good and evil. And so I'm not going to hold them to the same standard as the former generation. Moses, again, in Deuteronomy, delivers the law a second time. He delivers it to the new generation. He expounds upon it. And he says in Deuteronomy 30 and 11 and following that you should hear these words and do them. Obey. Number three, children of the wilderness must have new leadership. Look at with me at Deuteronomy 3, verses 23 through 28, and read it with me concerning the leadership of the children of Israel. Who was their leader? At first it was Moses, right? For 40 years. But then Moses, because of his disobedience, isn't allowed into the land of promise. Listen to what he says. Then I pleaded with the Lord at that time, saying, O Lord God, You have begun to show Your servant Your greatness and Your mighty hand. For what God is there in heaven or on earth that can do anything like Your works and Your mighty deeds? I pray, let me cross over and see the good land beyond the Jordan, those pleasant mountains in Lebanon, But the Lord was angry with me on your account and would not listen to me. And so the Lord said to me, enough of that. Speak no more to me of this matter. Go up to the top of Pisgah and lift your eyes towards the west and the north and the south and east. And behold it with your eyes. For you shall not cross over this Jordan. Listen to it. Here's the leader. But command Joshua and encourage him and strengthen him. For he shall go over before this people and he shall cause them to inherit the land which you will see. A new leader was needed to bring them across the plains and to bring them in to the land of promise. And just as they needed a new leader in that wilderness, I need a new leader. You know why? Because I'm not good at leading I need the leader. I need Christ in my life. Christ is that leader. What did He say over and over again in His ministry? Two simple words. Follow Me. Follow Me. You know, leaders are needed in this world. One has once said, everything rises and falls on leadership. And it does, doesn't it? That when you have good leaders... You'll get to where you want to go. The children of Israel needed a new leader, and we need a new leader in our life, and it has to be Christ. Lastly, number four, the children of the wilderness needed provision. Think about it. If you go to live in the wilderness, you're going to need some things, aren't you? And the the time that they spent in the wilderness brought them to total dependence on God like they had never known before. The first thing that you need in the, in the wilderness is what? Direction. If I drop you out in the middle of the desert 
I say get back to Nashville, Tennessee, how many of us will make it back? Without a compass, without a map, without direction. And what we find in the wilderness, God led them, it says, by cloud by day and a fire by night. God only, not only led them through the supernatural, but He also delivered to them the law. And He also gave them Moses. And just as they needed direction, I need direction. In fact, it says in Jeremiah 10.23 that the way of man is not in himself. He needs something outside of himself. That if we're left to our own devices, we're lost in that wilderness. And that's where we find ourselves without Christ. We need His direction. We need His voice. Another thing that I think about that you need in the wilderness is also shelter. You need to be sheltered and safe. And it says that they dwelt in tents and booths and that God protected them as they lived. And we find ourselves in these earthly tabernacles, these earthly tents, it says in 2 Corinthians 5.1, yearning for a day when we will receive a new tent, a new habitation, not built with human hands. We also need food and water, don't we? And God provided, it says, manna daily for them. Provided water for them. They needed those things. And just as we need those physical things to sustain us, we need Christ to spiritually sustain us. And lastly, they needed clothes. In fact, it says in Deuteronomy that their clothes did not wear out. And their sandals did not, as long as they walked in the wilderness, get this, that the clothes didn't wear out. Isn't that a wonderful blessing? Don't you wish you had that? I had to take my jacket the other day to get a button sewed on. God's protection was afforded to them. And just as they received the clothing we receive our clothing in Christ. It says, for as many of you have been baptized into Christ, have what? Have put on Christ. The conclusion is that we live in a wilderness, don't we? And as, as beautiful as this world is, and as beautiful as this life is, there's danger. And we have to keep our trust and our thoughts on God. And that living in the wilderness means that just as Thoreau said, that we have to live with deliberation. We have to live as disciples of Christ. We have to live knowing the essential things in life. We have to live in a way that knows what our priorities in this life. And also understand the very essence of life. Who is the essence of life? It is Christ Himself. And in the book of Deuteronomy, you have... Different pointers to Christ. In fact, it says in Deuteronomy 21-23 that he who is hanged on a tree is cursed of God. And who was hung on a tree? Jesus. In fact, Paul says, looking at that passage, that Jesus became the curse of sin and death. Why? So that you might be blessed. So that you wouldn't have to live in the wilderness forever. But the only way to receive that inheritance is to trust in what Christ did for you. To trust in His atoning death. Otherwise, as Thoreau said, we may come to die and discover that we've never lived. 
Because true life is with the author of life. True life is with the redeemer of life. And if you don't know Christ, you don't know life. And if you're in this wilderness today, and you recognize and see the need in your life, then you begin to follow Christ where you are. The Bible says to begin that walk with Him, we begin by believing He is who He says He was, that He is the Son of Man, the Son of God, who came to seek and to save that who is lost. To repent of those sins. Those sins that destroy our children's life. Those sins that have destroyed our lives. To confess Christ to be the Son of the living God. To be immersed, baptized into His body, the church. And we begin to live in hope of an inheritance that Christ will lead us to out of the wilderness and into the promised land. Or maybe you're a Christian this morning, but you've let the cares of the world, let discouragement get to you, then you know we're here to pray with you. We're going to sing this next song, if you will, to encourage you and to pray for you if you need it. If you have any need, won't you come now as together we stand and as we sing.